Greetings from uh, the Alito congregation. My name is Matt, one of the pastors of Grace Church Southwest, and it's uh, good to see you guys. A lot of familiar faces and some new faces, um, but I'm excited to be here. We gathered this morning over in Alito, had a great time. Uh, the Lord was doing some really cool things, and I'm excited to share uh, from God's Word this morning as we continue on in our Ephesians um, series. That's what we are. We're in a sermon series, Ephesians. Uh, but anyways, just wanted to say welcome and, and uh, thanks for being here at Grace Church. When I was six years old, um, in all of my wisdom, right, like six years old, you have all sorts of wisdom and insight and life experience. Um, we, had, My mom and I grew up in Arlington and we had just got home from the grocery store and my mom was carrying in groceries and I've had this, this idea, I just started playing baseball, that it would be fun to throw rocks and instead of throwing rocks at um, the fence, I thought it would be a great idea to throw rocks at cars as they passed by. So at age six, I found myself on the side of the house messing with all those little maroon lava rocks, if you remember those that were in. And I remember thinking, man, six years old, I'm going to nail a car. And uh, God's grace on my life, we lived in a quiet neighborhood, number one. Number two, uh, so not a lot of cars drove by, but number two was I was six. I was 40 yards from the uh, street. Thankfully, any damage that could have been done was not done. But lo and behold, this lone car comes driving by. I pick up this rock. I heave it. It hits the driveway, and it kind of skips out. And as the car's passing, it hits the tire. Okay, no big deal. I'm like, yeah, nailed it. Um, and so I hit this car and all of a sudden he notices it. He looks and as I'm like in the follow through, it hits the tire. This brand new Corvette comes to a screeching halt and uh, it could have been any car, but it was a Corvette and he slams on his brakes. He goes in reverse, which means I go in reverse. I held hightail it into the house. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do at this point. My mom has no clue what's happening because she was inside dropping off groceries, comes back outside. I'm not there. This Corvette's in the driveway. They exchange this conversation. Now, another thing of God's grace to me in my life was he was super gracious. It hit the tire. There was no foul play or no harm done. Definitely foul play. No harm done. Um, <laughs> to his vehicle, but he stopped and he had a conversation with my mom. And my mom was super gracious to me as well. She came in, I'm like out looking out the blinds, following along. She came in and said, son, I know what's happened. All right, we're gonna talk about this, but first we need to go apologize for what you've done. And so she was super gracious, um, all sorts of, of God's grace in my life. He forgave me, he was a Christian. And honestly, it couldn't have been any more of a gospel conversation than what took place. Now, lots of discipline came from that, all right? My mom was gracious, but there was also consequences to my terrible decision-making. Fast forward to many years, uh, to four weeks ago, I'm in my backyard, and Cody and I were walking out in the backyard, just starting to warm up. We're like, all right, what projects are we gonna do in the backyard? And I had just raked a bunch of leaves, so we make it over to our daughter's, uh, to Ellie's window, and I notice there's this little spray paint, like you can tell it, somebody got spray paint, sprayed it, just one small dot, and it just dripped. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I haven't had paint. What? I, I wasn't painting anything over here, so I don't think anything of it. We go around to the side, and all of the leaves I had just bagged up were in trash bags, and I noticed there's now 
tan spray paint all over the bags. I have three kids. Ellie's the oldest, Deacon and Brighton. The only initials I see are D and B, my two littlest kids, all over the bags. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, thank God it was just the bags. And as I, literally, as Cody and I are kind of chuckling, we look up and our entire brick wall on the side of the house, D plus B, smiley face, all of these initials all over the place. Now, I had a chance in that moment. I took a deep breath. This is like one of those really good gospel moments because I have a lot of bad ones as parents where I lash out in anger. I'm going to tell you a good one. I took a deep breath. I acknowledged the grace that God has given me, and I, was, I responded gently and in a loving way, of course, with disciplinary actions, right? Like they're, we bought some toothbrushes, and they're going to scrub as best as they can. There's discipline. I'm not advocating for not disciplining. I'm just saying in that moment, I was gentle and loving. And it's because I had these two worlds colliding at the same time. I remember back when I was six years old, like I, it's like everything stopped and, and I felt this time where I could just, all right, I've been here. I was six years old. I remember what happened. And I also remember the response of my mom and of this stranger and how gracious they were to me. And I had an opportunity to decide, how am I going to respond in this time? Because ultimately, the things I'm doing now are shaping the way my kids will grow into the Lord. And the question I have to, we have to ask ourselves, is what will be found within our home? Will I give them Jesus and all of his beauty and grace and mercy and his kindness that is what leads us to repentance? Or Am I going to give them my wrath? Well, let's see what Paul has for us, what the Word of God has for us. Ephesians chapter 6, our text says this, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Real quick, how many kiddos do I have in here so I, I can kind of know? Raise your hand if you're a child. Perfect, we got some. I had some adults raised too. That's good. <laughs> Honor your father. And mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may have a long life in the land. In verse 4, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So this text this morning is a continuation from all the way back in chapter 4, right? Paul says, walk worthy of the calling that you have received. And he tells us how to do that. With, with what? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Y'all, Paul keeps driving this big idea into our, heart, into our hearts with a hope that it would shape every area of our lives, that we would actually live as brothers and sisters counterculturally, that all of our relationships would be marked and shaped, not by the ways of this world, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That our friendships in and out of the church would be marked by this. That how we relate to brothers and sisters in our congregation, in our family. We just prayed for unity. That it would, we would be marked with this. How we use our good gifts, Paul says. The Spirit gives us for what? To build up, to encourage his bride. How we relate to those in darkness, he covers. And then the last two weeks, Paul has walked us through how the gospel shapes this beautiful relationship of husbands and wives. And now, 
Paul looks at how we are to walk worthy of this calling as children and parents. And he gives us a very simple vision for the home. And it's one that shows the value and care that should be found within each of our homes. Now, I, I, we've, we've talked about, we've read the text here. Some of us may not be parents. Maybe you're a not yet parent or single. Some of you heard this, you might think, well, this is just one of those messages I can write off. But let me, let me push on all of us this morning. If you're here, you're a child, number one, of somebody. And Paul says, obey and honor. And we'll get to that. So if you're here, there, there's practical application of what it means to honor your parents, even as an adult. But more than that, I want you to hear this. All of us, each and every one of us, are called to build up and to encourage people in their faith. Like there's this assumption as Paul, or as this letter is getting read to this congregation, to these little pockets of churches, that children were in attendance as they read this letter aloud, as were singles and married folks with no children and empty nesters. Meaning, this text is for everyone. We all need to be doing this. We never retire from the Spirit who gives us good gifts to teach, encourage, and to edify other believers. And this includes, very simply, the children in our church. That's why we ask for all of our people, men, women, single, married, empty nester, parent or not, to serve in Grace Kids. What a joy and delight it is. Our children don't just need other moms serving in Grace Kids as a means of childcare. They need other believers. They need you, men and women of all ages, all seasons of life, sharing the gospel with them, loving them, praying with them, teaching them the good news, serving them sacrificially, spiritually healthy role models is what our children need outside of just mom and dad. And yes, of course, their parents have this unique calling and gifting and equipping to do this. But that's why we even do child dedications across, both, across our church. Child dedications, and we make it a big deal. For who? For the entire church. There's a corporate reading where we're responding and saying, yes, we're in this together. We say phrases uh, all the time about being a family of families, that we're in this together alongside each other because we need one another. So if I could just encourage each of us, just kind of set that, that bar there. Allow the Spirit to shape you mold you and, and look more like Jesus today. Don't write this one off because this is super important. Paul addresses the entire family and he starts with children. Now I also want to just start here. I think this is very interesting that Paul addresses children first. He doesn't just say boys. He says children and culturally that's a huge deal. Just like we've seen him address wives in such a beautiful manner of the gospel, he's now addressing the weakest of these. According to society, socially, uh, according to their society, what a radical countercultural way of thinking. When Paul writes this letter, he says, children, in a culture where unwanted babies were abandoned and killed, even healthy children were looked at as a sort of hindrance. Why? Because they complicated things. And Paul addresses not just the boys, but he says children. And I think that's because we see clearly through the life and ministry of Paul that he knows every human 
regardless of ethnicity, of their background, of gender or age, every human being has value and dignity and worth in this new race. That Christ has, has brought us into this new family, that God's welcomed us in through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our Grace Kids Truth of the Month, God made me in his image, special and valuable. Think about the children and the life and ministry of Jesus himself. Matthew 19, verse 13. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place hands on them and to pray. Look at the disciples' response. They rebuked him. And Jesus said, leave the little children alone. Don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Never once were children looked down upon in the life and ministry of Jesus. He valued them and he desired them to grow in grace in his kingdom. So I'm going to address to my kiddos this morning. If you're here, I want you to pay attention because we got, a, we got some good news for us. Hear these words in light of all of that. Children, look up here. Hear these words, not in a harsh tone, a domineering, not in a rude tone, but in the one that says you are loved and valued. Hear them with the grace and love that the Father has for you, who's given you a specific purpose, who loves you and cares for you this morning. Children, obey and honor your parents in the Lord because this is right. Paul says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. So let's talk about obeying up front. I think we would all agree. It's natural for all of us to obey things. Every civilization, every empire has rules and order. If you look all through God's word, he gives us standards and an order to live by. Exodus 20, where Paul quotes here, the, the Ten Commandments, Paul uses that. So children, here again, it is good and right to obey the word of God. Now what this doesn't mean is obeying parents if they ask you to do something that is morally wrong or goes against Scripture. That's a big deal. Paul's saying, obey them in the Lord. So those things in the Lord, what, are, what is consistent to Jesus in his word? Think back to chapter 5 with me, family. Paul says, walk as children of the light. And children of the light do what? They walk and do what is good, what is right, and what is true. How many of my kids enjoy doing chores? Raise your hand. Oh, I got some liars out here today, too. Uh, none of us, may, or maybe you like doing chores. That's okay. How many of you enjoy waking up ready to just hit the backyard and scoop the poop, right? Like the dog poop. Nobody enjoys that. How many of y'all enjoy taking out the trash or doing the dishes or cleaning your room? Exactly. I'm going to go ahead and assume none of us enjoy doing that. But let's talk about our responses. How do we respond to mom and dad when they ask us to do things? Well, our response, Paul says, is not just to obey, but we are to, to honor. We're to bring honor to our parents. And I know this because I have three kids of my own, and I've been in your shoes before. Our, our response to our parents could use some work. Probably even to this day, our responses to our brothers and sisters can use some work. I know you just, you don't want to do chores. I know you just want to live your life, but the Word of God tells you not just to obey, 
but to honor. And Paul says in Colossians 3, in the same passage where he's dealing with uh, children and parents, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. You see, God has given you your parents to love you, to shepherd you, to care for you. And I want to encourage you kiddos here this morning to really think about how you respond to your parents. When we grumble, whether on the inside or the outside, when they ask you to do something out of love, maybe it's a chore, maybe it's something that is good, right, and true of God's word, and we grumble, we shake our heads, heavy sighs, we pout, our little kids, no, we say no, and we don't want to do things. We stomp our feet and we storm out. We talk back to our parents. That might be growling and grunting. Whatever it is, it's not honoring the Lord because we're not honoring our parents. You're not showing them love and respect. And ultimately, if you're not honoring them, then you're not honoring the Lord and his commands. Now, I'll say this, and we're going to move on. Children, you're going you know, you're probably like, what is this guy talking about? But eventually, you're going to outgrow your call to obey them as parents. We all do. You graduate high school, you move out of the house, whatever that looks like for you. And as you grow up, you're going to move out and on your own. But you're never going to outgrow showing honor to your parents. There's always a call to give honor to mom and dad or to whoever has raised you. So grow to love them, be kind to them, extend grace to them. Children, obey and honor your parents. Now, some, some of my parents had their phones out. I think they were, got a little too into that. They were videoing, and I'm sure you're going to play that back for your kids every, every day. Uh, or I saw a couple of y'all even nod, uh, nudge your, your kids to, to pay attention. We're going to pivot here, and we're going to see what Paul says to us as parents and he says this, big picture is that we are called parents to make disciples. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, two quick things on that. One, Paul addresses the role of father, but this uh, addresses the role of father. This is because you are called, fathers, to set the culture in your household. You are called and equipped by this powerful Spirit of God to set this culture in your house, but this also applies to mothers as well. So you're not out of this. Parents, fathers, and mothers, you are both called to make disciples within your home. And the second thing is, is the word training actually in Greek means corrective discipline. Less about how you should spank your children or not. I'm not getting into that. What I am is trying to get us to the heart, to the attitude and the character of our heart as we parent. And he begins, as he does a lot, with a negative attitude. What does he say? He says, do not stir up anger in them. Parents, the attitude in which you parent is one of the most formative things that you will give your children. Meaning, if you parent in a way that stirs up, that provokes anger, it's only going to lead to an unhealthy fear for them. It's only going to fuel their shame down the road. It will lead them to a feeling that they'll never be able to measure up. And when the attitudes of our heart are off just a little bit, when we're not walking worthy of this calling, we will not be parenting, as Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. 
So what does it look like to stir up anger in them? What does that look like? Well, here's a few ways. There's a lot. I'm going to give you a few ways that this could look. Question, do you set unrealistic expectations on your children? Do you ask things beyond their capabilities? Do you put too many demands on them that's going to lead to frustration? I'm all for chore charts. I'm all for rewarding. I'm all for that. I'm not even really talking about what you should do. I'm talking about the motive behind the heart and how we are to train them up, to lead them. Do you set these unrealistic expectations on them? Do we realize that our response to them when they don't meet these unrealistic expectations, the look that they see from us, do we understand that that look can absolutely crush our kids? We're asking so much of them, and maybe I'm just speaking to myself, but I I mean, I've got anywhere from a 6 to a 12-year-old, these three kids, and they're all in different seasons of life, and I'm trying to you know, Ellie is, is going into teenage years this, this year, and we're trying to figure out what does that look like for her? What's realistic and not unrealistic? And there's been plenty of times, just to be very clear, where we have done this, and we put unrealistic expectations on our daughter. And it's crushing to her. She sees my look, and she, she, what she feels is I failed my father. I'm not living up to, my, to my, the standards that my dad has. I am a failure. It's crushing to our kids. We put these unrealistic expectations on our children. They're precious. They're fragile. May we care for them and nourish them intentionally. When you do that, it's going to lead to them flourishing in the gospel. It's going to lead to them looking more like Jesus. Remember, we don't want them to ultimately look like us. That's not what Paul says. He says instead we want them, as he says, to imitate the Father. We want to point them to Jesus. Do you set unrealistic expectations on your children? How about this one? Are you constantly finding faults in them? And think back to uh, last week, what I, I mentioned. Well, y'all can't. I was in Alito. One of the things I mentioned last week on loving and, and serving our, our spouses was becoming an expert in our spouse's strengths, not their weaknesses. And the same goes for, for parenting, Right? Quit constantly identifying their faults, the faults of our children and their weaknesses. Yes, help them grow. Be willing to come alongside and, and course correct. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, do they need our encouragement? Absolutely yes. Don't always be pointing out their faults. If that's all you do. Hey, that was good. Or, or here's one for you. Um, hey, baby, I love you, but dot, dot, dot. Why do I have to throw the butt in there? Why can't it not just be I love you, baby? Thank you for, for doing that. Yeah, it probably isn't how I wanted it done, but she, she tried and she did her hardest. Unrealistic expectations, constantly finding fault in our kids. And, and let me just say this uh, with, with parenting. Their goofy quirks are not necessarily a weakness that you need to call out. God's uniquely wired them, and he's gifted them. And it's okay that they laugh weirdly at this weird, annoying pitch. That's okay. They're children. It's a funny quirk that they have. Don't call it out. 
It's okay that they don't fold the clothes exactly how you asked them to. Man, they're trying. It's okay that they want to wear tall socks. This is what we're going through with my son. He never wants to wear short socks. We buy short socks. Why? I don't know. He wants to wear tall. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Why do I got to call that out on him? They do things differently. It's all right. Another marker could be the total opposite of those first two. Those first two are, uh, are becoming overbearing and very involved. You could also swing the pendulum the, the total opposite direction, and you can grow to neglect them where you don't have time for them. I'm just going to let them be kids. I'm going to let them figure it out on their own. They'll eventually learn. And when you don't take part in your children's lives, it will stir up anger in them, and it's going to result and lead them to rebellion. You can't just not parent. You have to step in, and you have to to be willing to to be gentle and, and lowly and serve them and care for them and nurture them. Don't neglect them. Don't promote, provoke them to anger. It's going to do far more harm, family, in their 20s and 30s than it will right now if you'll just take the time and parent our children. We're called to make disciples. So instead of stirring up anger, we are called to bring them up in the training, in the disciplines, in the instruction of the Lord is what Paul says. So how do we do that? Those are some markers of, of what it doesn't look like, but how do we do this? Simply put, you give them Jesus. You you give them the gospel. You aim for encouragement, not discouragement. We don't live through our children either as a sense of redo on our life. Because you didn't have this, you're going to overcorrect and you're going to give them this. Or because you had too much of this, you're going to overcorrect and you're trying to look for this redo as a child. You can't do that. Our children are God's inheritance, marked with his image, not for our own reputation or for our own glory, but for his. And so part of giving them Jesus is learning what a gospel-shaped heart of discipline is. How do we correct? How do we encourage? How do we show grace and teach? How do we bring them up in the ways of the Lord? And let me just throw this out there. Discipline never happens at convenient times. You're either too tired, you're running late, you're pulled way too many different directions, you got your own baggage that you're dealing with depending on your upbringing or how you weren't brought up. Justin Early in his book, Habits of the Household, he says this, in in speaking on disciplining our children, we shouldn't be surprised that the stories of our homes are constantly shaped by moments of discipline. If we love our children, then we will find ourselves faced over and over with the task of discipling our children through discipline, not as a means of controlling their behavior for our convenience, but rather as a means of stewarding their hearts toward the loving God. This is why discipline is both the highest call and it's the hardest thing we do as parents. Y'all, this, this is counter-cultural parenting. This is a radical call to a gospel-shaped parent where we learn, as, as Justin goes on, to take ordinary moments of discipline and stitch them into a life of discipleship. You've got to give a lot of grace to your kids. And so the best thing that you can do for your children is to live out of your right identity in Christ. 
as with this entire letter, all of the practical things that Paul is laying before us, they're going to point us back to living out of our true gospel identity. Meaning, parents, a gospel parent, we have to live as children that's actually rooted back into this good news. First and foremost, your primary calling and your primary identity as an image bearer is going to flow out of delighting in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when you live, when we learn to live in this, this right identity, it makes it possible for us to be patient with our children. Why? Well, because you've experienced the patience of God, a loving Father. And you can be gentle and kind. How? Well, because the Son is gentle and lowly, and He models the life that we are to live. He's gentle and kind with you. We can be nurturing and draw near to our children in their own sin and idolatry. Why? Because by God's grace, thank you, Lord, that the Spirit draws near to us in our own mess. Gently corrects and rebukes and encourages all along the way. So parents, we give them Jesus. We set the example for them as our lives point to Jesus. Tony Morita says this. He says, children are observing how their parents value the church. They're watching how their parents are speaking truth lovingly, working honestly, giving generously, encouraging others properly, putting away bitterness and anger repentedly, forgiving one another Christianly. The first picture of God children receive is from you, their parents. They will get a sense of authority and love and protection from you. As they see and treasure this example, it will inevitably point them away from the parents to the ultimate father. Even when you fail to reflect God before your children, you should teach them how to repent and receive grace from God. Y'all, they're, they're watching. They're being discipled by someone or something at all times. Just think about your own delighting in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Think about your disciplines. Do they see you or not see you? Read the Word of God. Pray the Word of God. Do they see you worship King Jesus for who He is? Because they know who or in what their parents take delight in. They see that. You have influence with them. What they are seeing, are they learning to value mission more than money? Faithfulness to God over career success. Are they learning humility and repentance or hypocrisy? You're also helping shape and form their view of marriage. What vision are we giving our children of what might lie ahead for them? Are you giving them a picture of the gospel as you love and serve your, your spouse, not yourself, your spouse sacrificially? They're learning obedience and respect and submission as they watch you submit to and be obedient to the Lord. Y'all, I'm, I'm not trying to, to beat us up this morning. I'm not trying to just let you sit there and think, man, I'm a terrible parent. That's not my heart's intent on this. I'm trying to get us to take hold of what we've been called to do and to walk worthy of the calling that he's laid before us. That's a lot. You're going to fail. Like, it doesn't make you a terrible parent, though. You need God's grace, and so does your children. 
Last week, we talked about husbands and wives and that the husband is not to be uh, the gospel to their bride, but they are to show their bride the gospel. They're to point her to Jesus, to be a glimpse of grace and love. And it's no different than the relationship with parents and children. May we be a glimpse of grace and love. May our children hear that they can grow to know King Jesus that they can be accepted and forgiven and redeemed and made alive in Christ. And then just kind of thinking about as we wind down, let me implore each of us. We have a short time to teach and to mold them. The season of parenthood, I know, seems like an eternity. If you think back to when Pastor Lucas preached a few weeks ago, to make the most of our time. There was this imagery he used and, and I used in, in Alito about being shrewd merchants, that we are to buy up all of the time. Family, parents, buy up your time with your children. I promise you, you will not forget taking the time out of your busy schedules for those daddy-daughter coffee dates. Mother-son trips to the, to the store. Date them. Treat them with respect. Teach them. Bring them alongside with you. Walk with them. Give them space to ask questions. Listen to them. Enjoy their goofy quirks now because they'll be gone soon. Be gentle with them. Kneel down beside them. Wrestle with them. Roll all over the yard with them. Play catch with them. Enjoy their arts and crafts, even as it's messy. Be silly with them. Come home 30 minutes early. Surprise them. The joy that you can bring to your children by being present with them. Talk about Jesus and his birth and his death, his resurrection and his lordship and how he's not domineering, but he's loving and he knows everything about them and he still cares for them. Talk about that with them. Have fun talking about Jesus with your children. Speak to their hearts. Ask them questions. Know their fears. What are they scared to fail in? Talk about values, our family values, church. Talk about their feelings and their motives, their sin, and how to repent. And of course, you can warn them, training them in the disciplines. Help them not to be prideful and, and, and warn them of laziness and the temptations that will come. Pray with them regularly. It's okay. It's okay. Everybody just breathe this in to be insufficient. That's the point. You cannot do this. But God gives us his spirit and he empowers us to do this. And so in your weakness, when you say, I don't know what to do, you have the word of God and you have the power of the Spirit to enter in and to parent and to help shape and form your children. Parent, parenting is absolutely exhausting. I know you know that. Moms, you know that probably well beyond than I can even comprehend. It's absolutely exhausting, while at the same time, it's extremely glorious, while at the same time, it's the most frustrating form of sanctification that we'll ever endure, while at the same time, it's all beautiful and wonderful. It's hard work, but our children are such a beautiful treasure from the Father. He's entrusted us to steward them unto the Lord. If you think back in, in closing, if you think back to the last 
uh, few weeks. We talked a lot about marriage. We use this example of it's this, the sweet dance of, of husband and wife learning to, to, to perform this dance together. The leading of, of the husband, but then also just the, the sacrificial love and serving of the wife and, and, and how she helps. And, and you're learning this dance together. Husband's leading, serving faithfully, wife, beautiful dance back and forth. I want you to think now of parenting as teaching them the song that one day, one day that they'll be able to dance to. You're teaching them. If you think about a song, you're teaching them the lyrics of the gospel. From birth to 18, you have these lyrics. You're teaching them the lyrics of the gospel, the grace and truth found in God's word. You're teaching them the melody of this song, what it looks like to live with grace and gentleness and patience with one another. And then you're slowly teaching them the movements that go along with the song that one day they'll be able to dance as they grow up, they move out of your house, they graduate, and they step into the world. What song are you teaching your children? If it's the song of this world, man, it's going to leave them empty. They're, they're never going to measure up. You know why I know that? Because a lot of you, a lot of us, I'll just speak to myself. I've tried to live that song for a long time, trying to measure up, trying to seek the approval of other people. Man, because, Christian, you've been approved by God, you can rest and breathe in that grace and now lead your children to to grow in that same grace that you need, that they need. That's the song that we need to be teaching our children. Because one day, they're going to grow up and they're going to move out of the house. Prepare them for the dance of life, if you will, by teaching them the song, the lyrics, the melody, the goodness of God. Father, we, we thank you for your grace and your mercy this morning. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you are a good father. And I I know just me even saying that probably brings a lot of maybe doubt or skepticism to some of our hearts because of our earthly experience, lack of a father or terrible experience of a father. God, would you draw near to us in this moment? To those who are wondering if you even care, Holy Spirit, would you draw near to them? You are a father who cares about his children, who intimately desires his children to know your voice. God, would you just just show up in a real meaningful way if that's them this morning. And then maybe we feel just inadequate as parents and we're just wrestling with all of the things. God, if we just take away one thing, because you are present with us, that we can be present with our children. So help us to do that, Lord. Help us to laugh and to giggle and to wrestle and to have fun. Ultimately, our, our parenting, I think, a lot of times reflects our, um, our identity to this world. 
where we feel like we have to measure up or perform through the success or failures of our children. And we carry that, and, and as we do that, we put all these un, unnecessary expectations, ungodly expectations on our children to perform so that we would feel good. Look at what my child has done. God, if that's us, would we just confess and repent of that this morning? God, children are a gift from you. Would we love and steward them and be gospel parents who kneel down and are present with our children? God, whatever it is, I I pray that you would lead us in this time of response to grow to know you more, to love you deeper, to experience the power of your Holy Spirit that washes over our sin, cleanses us of all of our unrighteousness. And because of that, we can walk in freedom as we lead our children. And God, if we're wrestling with wanting to be parents, God, would you draw near to those this morning? Would your spirit just overwhelm them with your grace and your mercy and your love? Lord, we love you. We praise you. And it's your son's most holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.